As we walk out the journey of life, we each begin to thirst for something more. We want more than just life the way we know it. It's a thirst for more peace, more fulfillment, more purpose. That was God's plan all along. Since the ancient times, he has made promises that he will quench that thirst. And the promises he made long ago are the same promises he has made for us today. a new series called Next Steps. Next Steps. We just left a series called This Is Us, but what we're going to do is we're going to jump into a four-week series called Next Steps in preparation for the growth of this church, for preparation on how to find your purpose. Because I want to tell you that we are extremely, uh, I, you know, we're, we're extremely passionate about helping people discover their purpose, helping people to make a difference. And so we're going to be breaking down some promises in the Bible. I would even call this a purpose series, that we want people to find their purpose in these next four weeks. So we want to make a way for people to know Jesus and to experience new life. How do you do that? Discover your purpose. Find your purpose. Now I got a five-year-old, and uh, it's so interesting. Raise your hand if you have children. You got kids. Anything? All right. Raise your hand if you got a little brother or sister. Anybody like that? And uh, raise your hand if you are the younger brother or sister. We got, we're, we're watching you. All right. We got you. And uh, but I got a little guy, and he remembers everything when he wants to. All right. When he wants to. All right. I forgot, Dad. No, really? You forgot. And so one time we went out, and uh, you know, it was just he and I. We went to a, a function, an event. And he asked me something in the car, and I remember I was on my phone. I was trying to get to this event, trying to find the place. And he goes, Dad, when we get home, can we play Star Wars? I said, you know, Star Wars is, you know, we, he likes to dress up as Darth Vader, breathe. I got to die every single time, you know. And I said, yes, 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 you know, yes. We'll be, yes, when we get home, we'll do that. I'm trying to find directions. And he goes, you promise? Well, parents say, yes, yeah, 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 I promise. You're five, right? I promise. So we get to the event. We enjoy our time. We had so much fun, right, because we like the party and all that. We had so much fun, we were late coming home. And so when we got home, I remember he fell asleep in the, in the truck, and we got home. And how many parents are in here are like, praise God, they're sleeping, all right? Should I leave him in the truck all night? You know, like, just leave the car running? You know, what do I do? And so I got him out, and I put him inside his bed, and... He shot up. He woke up and said, Dad, we're going to play Star Wars. And I said, son, it's, it's too late. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's late, way past your bedtime. And I said, no, we can't. We, we're going to do it tomorrow. And he says this, parents, you ready for this, right? But you promised, right? I said, I rebuke you, you little, you know. <laughs> but you promised. And I said, okay, I, I know I promised, but, but, you know, I'm an adult and you're a child, you know, and I will always keep my promises. But you got to go to bed, all right? Your mom's going to kill me. You're up late. All these things. And he said, but Dad, you promise. So what do we do? I'm dying at midnight. That's Luke Skywalker or Star Wars character playing as fast as we can to get him to bed. I'm here to tell you this morning that, that instead of us going to God and say, God, you promised, I believe that our Father in Heaven is coming to us and said, hey, I promise. I have promises for your life. And I want you to know what those promises are. 
So in the Bible, there's four promises you can go through from Genesis to Revelation. You could look through the entire Bible, and you're able to pick out some promises that God has for us. But there's four promises that I want to hit on today. Back in the Jewish culture, Jewish tradition had what's called, I'm going to talk geeky, all right? Like pastors get geek out for a minute, all right? But Jewish did a what's called a Passover. And the Passover was basically a party, all right? How many like the party in here, all right? You're wiping off that. I get it, all right? Uh, but they did what's called a party in this Passover. And what they would do is they would take four cups and these four cups of wine, and every cup represented something different. And so these four cups, we're going to begin to break down today because these are four promises that God has for our lives. You might say, what are these four promises? If we begin to read in Exodus, the Bible says that there are actually four I wills in the Bible. That God says, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. And I will do this. So let's turn to our Bibles real quick to Exodus chapter 6. Verses, verse 6 through 8. We're going to go through this because I want to set up the series. What is your four steps all about? Why do you have growth track with four steps? Why are you talking about steps all the time? Because we really want to set a foundation for Avenue Church so that we can make a difference in people's lives. So we're going to go old school. So here's God. He's talking to the Israelites, which are godly people which represents us. And this is kind of the course during this time. It's about the time Moses just saw the burning bush. And Moses gets a, gets a conversation with God. And this is the conversation. He says this, I will free you from being slaves to them. So the Israelite people, they were slaves under the hand of a man named Pharaoh. How many seen the movie Ten Commandments, right, where they come out of Egypt and the water splits and, and all that. He's sticking things in. This is before all that. So here's God speaking. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Let's go back one more. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will, let me, are we back? Can we go back? Can we go back? I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Next verse. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know, you catch that, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. These are the four promises that God has. I will bring you to the land, I swore, with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession, for I am the Lord. See, today it's still what God wants. He wants this first step. I want you to understand, his first step for you today is not necessarily for you to leave here and say, you need to read your Bible from cover to cover. His first step isn't today for you to say, I need you to go home and pray 15 minutes a day, pray an hour a day. I need you to go home and fast. And I need to, the first step that he says is I want to take you out. I want to remove you from your current condition. See, when we talk about condition, condition represents where you are currently spiritually and emotionally in your life. So they use four cups to represent the four things that God did and will do for us today. So the first cup is the cup of sanctification. That's a real big word that we say in church, sanctification. What does that mean? Salvation. 
the cup of salvation. So they take that first cup, they drink it, and they say, we're going to remember our sanctification. We're going to remember our salvation. That it's salvation. It says, I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. Then after you get out, I will rescue you from bondage. Listen, you don't have to clean yourself up in order to get to God. God wants to clean you up. I got to say that one more time. because That's like Facebook worthy. That's really good, all right? You don't have to clean yourself up to get to God. Get to God and he will clean you up. We're big on that here at Avenue Church. It's saying, you know what, I, I, I got like, to do my laundry and I got I to gotta get right before I step into, these, into this church because the church might burn down. I don't think so. Then we're going to watch God clean us up from head to toe and watch him sanctify us. Watch him bring salvation into our lives. So what he was going to do, he says, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. But not only am I going to get you out of Egypt, I'm going to take Egypt out of you. I'm going to take Egypt out of you. That just because we change our location doesn't mean we change our heart. And we've got to say, God, what's my first step? The first step is that cup of sanctity. God, I need you to know that you're in my life. But listen to this. What does that mean? It means I'm going to heaven, but I still have some issues in my life that drive me crazy. There's some issues in our life, maybe the issue of anger, maybe an issue of addiction, maybe an issue of a bad attitude, maybe an issue of drugs, maybe an issue of something that is holding you down in slavery. I want you to know that God promises to walk you through your struggles and to give you the win, to give you the victory. Amen? So the second cup, the second cup is the cup of deliverance. Cup of deliverance. Now when I say deliverance, I'm not talking about the movie where there's like demons and they're spitting green stuff and their heads are turned out. When I talk about deliverance, I'm talking about Christians who still struggle with sin. So we say, God, I have salvation. I've accepted. I've raised my hands to Jesus. Will you come into my life? But then there's a second cup, a cup of deliverance to say, God, will you deliver me from this issue in my life? Will you deliver me from this sin in my life? Will you deliver me from this? You might be asking, do I have to live this way for the rest of my life? I accepted Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But do I have to struggle with this for the rest of my life? And the answer is no. That God wants to deliver you. From Egypt. God wants to deliver you from those issues in your life. So there's a third cup. I want you to understand this is the third cup I'm going to talk about three weeks from now. But I want you to know that 87% of Christians, 87% of churchgoers never get past this third step. They stay with a cup of sanctification. I'm saved. A cup of deliverance. Okay, I'm going to kind of drink that every now and then, right? Every Sunday, i got to repent. I messed up. That's all of us. But there's this third cup that's crucial. That the Bible says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. To redeem means to put you back to your original intent. To put you back to your original intent. What does that mean before all the garbage? What does that mean before all the sin? What does that mean that you were created for a purpose and God says, yes, you're on a detour, but I'm going to get you right back on that path to your original intent. 
that God wants to redeem you. Listen to me. You are never too far away from God, ever. That we say, Jesus, I'm on, this, I'm on this road. I took a wrong turn somewhere. I didn't use the Bible, Surrey. All right? I, I, I'm lost. I don't know where to go. And God says, come this way. I'll be the light that will guide you to your path. And God says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. So the cup of restoration, but as well as the last cup, is the cup of fulfillment. The cup of fulfillment. Now, just so you know, I hope I'm a relevant preacher, all right? So you can see all these cups and be like, man, this guy is, he's, he's pretty intense, right? But what we're going to do is we're going to take these four cups and we're going to make them our own. We're going to take these four cups, which are four promises, they're four I wills for us today, and we're going to place them into steps here at Avenue Church. That God says, then you will know I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the yoke of Egyptians. Then you will know what it means to be a Christ follower. So many of us, we've simply tasted Christianity. What's Christianity? I, I went to a church. You know, I, maybe I raised my hand or filled out a card and I accepted Jesus. And, and I, you know, I tried to read my Bible and I, I, I tried praying. Like, like I'm in a room by myself talking out loud, kind of strange. I'm trying to just taste what Christianity is. The cup of fulfillment will help you to find freedom in your life, but also give you a relationship with Jesus Christ. A two-way street. To say, I know him and he knows me. There's a cup of fulfillment where we begin to discover our purpose. So everything we do surrounds these four promises of God. This is literally our mission and our vision. That we're going to say, you know what, we need to know God. We need to find freedom. We need to discover purpose. We need to make a difference. We need to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and we're going to make a difference. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go right into cup number one. Remember the cup of sanctification. So what's step one in my life? Step one is know God. Is know God. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down, know God. See, we're going to go back to the text, and this is what he says. He says, I will bring you out from under the yoke. Now, we've got to know the context of the story. There's the Israelites. They're the Hebrews that were slaves under a man named Pharaoh. How many remember the plagues where the frogs came out, the bloody river, and all these things like that? We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the future. But here's the Hebrew people, and they're under the Pharaoh, and, and they have it pretty good. Like, I like a little bit of slavery. A little bit of slavery is good because you're taking care of me. I'm eating. I got a house. It's cool. I'm working for my wages. But then the Bible says, how many know? Yeah, it's real, right? Now, how many know the Bible says that they begin to multiply? They got together and began to multiply. And when the Pharaoh saw multiplication take place, he said, oh, no, I'm losing power. That they're going to outnumber me and take over me. How many know when the church grows, when we multiply, we can make an impact in our city, in our families, in this community, in Jesus' name? So this is what the Pharaoh says. Pharaoh says, you know what? I need to make it harder for them. So instead of working normal, they said the Pharaoh added something to their plate and said, what you need to do is you need to make the bricks that you're using to make my stuff, the temple, the false gods, all the different things. And so here they are, and they have to begin to make some bricks. I want you to understand that a slave is any time a person is submitted to dominant influence. Put that back up. Any time a person is submitted 
to a dominating influence. That there are many things in our lives that have us as slaves, and they're dominating us because there's a greater influence in our lives. We may be sitting in this room, and we're slaves to things that we don't even know it. In John chapter 8, verse 34 through 35, Jesus says, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. Is in fact a slave. I want you to understand that sometimes we can be a slave to perhaps our spending habits. We can be a slave to even perhaps even work. We can be a slave to our addictions. We can be a slave to many things in our lives that are contrary to the Word of God. I'm not even saying it can be sin all the time, but it can be something that will distract you and distort your vision for your life. Listen, if this resonates with you, if you say, oh my, whoa, I, I, I am in slavery, I want to say you're a perfect candidate for the first step. You're a perfect candidate for the first step. You might say, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he always positive? Because I know the word of God and that there's a step one in your life is to know him. He wants to take you out. He wants to deliver you. He wants to fulfill you. And he wants to do, bring joy into your life. That many times we think salvation is just for those who want to go to church more. Like all those church people, they just go to church every Sunday. They're crazy. They're raising their hands. But you know what salvation is? Salvation is for those trapped in slavery. Yeah. Say, how can we get out? Yep. How, can we re, how can we be redeemed and placed back to our original intent? So the Pharaoh, he says, all right, I need to make them work harder. He found that that wasn't really working. So he said, you know what? In order to make those bricks, you've got to put straw into the mud. So he told his, uh, God's people, he said, listen, I'm going to add another decree. How many got bosses like that? You just keep adding stuff on our plate, you know. I'm going to add another decree. You've got to collect straw to make the brick. You know what he was doing? Was he was trying to make them busier. He was trying to make them busier. See, the goal is to destroy any potential in your life. So the Pharaoh said, you know what, I'm going to make you busy so that I can uh, distract you from your potential, distract you from your purpose, but also I'm going to kill all firstborn male babies. That was his third decree. I'm going to kill all firstborn male babies. What does that mean for us today? The enemy will do anything he can to kill your potential. He will do anything he can to kill the up-and-coming potential, the next preacher, the next communicator, the next uh, social justice person, the next person that will come to Avenue Church that will discover their purpose and make a difference. He will do whatever he can to kill it. How many know he's not the father of death? He's not the father uh, 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 of, of evil. He's the father of all lies. So he will lie to you and do whatever he can to kill the potential in your life. You're not good enough. There's no way you should be here. You have no purpose in your life. You are an accident. You are an oops. You are a mistake. And how many know God says, it doesn't matter how you got here, but I created you for a purpose in your life. All right? I got to settle down. I'll, I'll, I'll back up. But the enemy likes to work like this. He says, if I could just keep him busy. 
If I could just keep them busy. I don't know about you, but we make the worst decisions when we're tired, when we're exhausted. I promise, son, right? (laughs) When we're tired, when we're exhausted. I want you to know that it's not about doing too much. It's about doing too much that doesn't matter. People burn out in churches all the time. Why? Because they're not operating in their purpose. They're not operating in their giftings. I want you to understand this. This is Facebook worthy, right? Rest is not an inactivity, but it's a condition of your soul. So don't, don't quote me and say, Pastor Jeremy said I need to stop working. Praise God. No, what I'm saying is rest is so much more than sleeping. Rest is so much more than taking a day off. Rest means resting in the promises of God. Rest is a condition of your soul. Now, uh, my wife doesn't uh, really like the ocean too much. We love the beach. Hello, anyone here love beaches? We love the beach. We love going to California. Uh, We went to Hawaii once, ruined our our, uh, our California beaches. And uh, even one moment, we went to the beach in Hawaii, and we began to swim around and, and snorkel and all that. They said there's going to be turtles. It's going to be amazing. And we, we, when we went out into the open water, there was no turtles, nothing around. My wife got nervous. I'm like, it's fine. We're in a group. You know what I mean? I'm the biggest guy here. You know, I'll get bit. And all of a sudden, the guys on the boat said, you have 45 minutes to swim and have fun. And not two minutes, they're on the boat going, come back, come back. <laughs> And my wife went, oh, and she just, I mean, I've never seen her swim so fast. <laughs> left me out, left her deaf husband in the water. <laughs> now, she's preaching next week, so she's probably going to get me back on a few stories, all right? But I begin to learn that dolphins, that dolphins, they have to con- constantly move in order to breathe. I found it so interesting that dolphins have to constantly move in order to breathe, but in order to sleep, They swim while they sleep, but in order to sleep while they swim, they shut half their brains off. How many got a husband like that? Come on, somebody, all right? That was pretty good. I thought that was all right. But I saw a lot of men look at their wife like, I dare you to laugh. But they shut off half their brain so that they can sleep and swim. It's not about physical sleep. But it's about working too hard, making life matter. Put on our own hands and saying, if I could just do a little bit more, I could find some purpose in my life. If I could do a little bit more, I could find happiness in my life. I even want to tell you, maybe you're, you know, you're a very successful person in this room. and You're climbing that corporate ladder and you're achieving some great success. But you're finding that in that great success, you're still not finding purpose. You're still not finding fulfillment in your life. So I grew up in church. I had, some, I had a godly mother. My dad was, at that time, an alcoholic and uh, later got delivered from that. But growing up in church, we went to every church function. We had Sunday morning. We had Sunday night. We had Wednesday. We had uh, mother-daughter banquets uh, once a month. We had youth retreats. We had summer camps. We had all these uh, amazing things. And as I grew up in church, every Sunday I would come and enjoy worship, sit on the fourth row where the teenagers were, and I would repent every Sunday. Say, I am so sorry. You know, I forgive me, Jesus. And then Monday, live however I wanted to live. What was I doing? I was just swimming 
not finding purpose, not realizing what knowing Jesus really is. Because when you don't know him, you're saying, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And we become to be in this vicious cycle, and we're just swimming with half our brains off, saying, God, what is my fulfillment in my life? Until I found God, I let religion and rules begin to overwhelm me until I discovered a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to say this time and time again. When someone comes to church, we don't say, all right, you raised your hand, and all right, you're going to go to girl track. But when you leave here, you need to stop this and stop this and stop this, and you need to have behavioral modification. That is not, that is not our heart here. Our heart is that give your heart to Jesus and begin to know him, and when you love him deeply, your actions will change. I love my wife with all my heart. Therefore, my actions have changed. I'm not dating other women. Why? Because I gave my heart to her, and I said, will you be committed? I'm going to commit my life to you, and I'm going to abstain from all that. (laughs) Sorry, this guy's taken. Hello. All right. That's the same thing with the relationship with Jesus. To say, God, I want to know you, and I I want to have a relationship with you. I was uh, recently, my wife and I, we had a wonderful dinner with Santana, the recording artist. Have you heard of him before? Santana, recording artist. And uh, having, uh, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it's Santana, right? I mean, the guy could just do incredible things on the guitar, some great albums out there, all right? I'm not endorsing him, but we had a great dinner with him. Enjoyed it. The food was all right, but he was pretty cool. But here's the thing. I, he didn't know who I was because he was about 10 tables down from us. Right? I want you to understand. It's kind of cool when the celebrities are like, ah, oh, celebrity. Try to get a, fel- a selfie with him way back there, right? <laughs> Got to circle him. Why do I tell you that? Just because I was in the house doesn't mean I had a relationship with him. Just because I was in a church doesn't mean I have a relationship with Jesus. Now, that's not a judgmental statement. That's simply saying... Can I introduce you to him? It's not what you know, it's who you know. To say, hey, I know a man named Jesus. Let me, let me introduce you to him because he wants to have a relationship with you. So there's three steps that we're going to take today. There's three simple steps that I want to share with you. The first step is make the move. It's make the move. It's make the move. It's make the move. The Bible says if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. If we take a step towards him, he's going to take a step towards us. So I want to encourage you to make the move towards Jesus. See, repentance is a fancy way of saying a change of direction. Sometimes you say, repent, and you're like, oh, that's that word again. Why are they saying that word? I want you to understand, when I say repent, it means to change your direction. You're on a detour. You're going the wrong way. Will you just say, hey, Jesus, I need some help here. I'm tired of being on rough terrain. I need to get back on track with my life. Will you make the move today? A change of direction. That it's time to leave Egypt in bondage. And it's time to find the way to Jesus. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 and 18. It says this, therefore, come out. From them and be separate, says the Lord, 
touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, he wants to be your dad today. He wants to be a father in your life. But he says, will you just make that move? So that's step one is an encouragement. Will you make that move? But here's step two. It's a really annoying movie called Let It Go, Frozen. How I many remember that? But let it go. So many people want to make the move towards God, but we still hold on to something in our life. I want to encourage you, will you make that move, but will we let go? Will we say, God, I'm going to place you in charge. God, I am so tired. I'm so weary of owning this thing in my life. I am so tired and weary of being a slave to this and to this and to this, that will you place it into the hands of God? Here in the message version, it says this in Romans chapter 6, I believe it's verse 19. Do I have it up there? I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. So will you make that move, but will you let it go? And here's the last one, is will you commit your life? Will you commit your life? Instead of saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of dating you, I want to be married to you. I want to have a commitment in my life to something that is greater. It is time for a life of purpose. See, we want to use Growth Track to show you what your purpose is. You have to understand, it's not some, some class you sit down for a bunch of you know, hours and upon hours. It is something that we want to use this church to build people. We don't want to use people to build this church. And so when you commit your life to Jesus Christ, there is more than just coming on a Sunday. It's more than just showing up and, and doing your deed and leaving. But your purpose is making a difference in others' lives. Your purpose is connecting people to the source, which is Jesus. To begin to surrender and begin to have an amazing relationship with Jesus. So step one, it's know God. And we're going to spend these next couple of weeks on finding freedom, begin to discover your purpose, and help you make a difference. Will you stand with me please real quick? You might be thinking, you might be thinking, that's a lot of steps, man. You got step one, you got four promises, and then you got three other things in here. But I want to give you some action steps for your Monday, for your week. The best today is make your move, is to let it go, as well as commit your life to Jesus. That our big thing, our big focus today is growth track. For you to say, you know what, I need to do something with what I'm feeling. I need to do something with this commitment I'm going to make. I'm going to go ahead and take my first step in growth track today. We bow heads, close your eyes for me for just a second. I want us all to pray a prayer. I want us all to lift our voices and begin to repeat a prayer of what's called salvation. A cup of sanctification. 
the cup of knowing who Jesus is. So we pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life. I ask you today to redeem me, to put me back in my original intent. I want to surrender my life to you today and be Lord of my life. Help me to take my first step. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to ask you to raise your hand and we want to celebrate with you this morning. If that is you, just raise a hand and say, I prayed that prayer for the first time. Come on. Get excited. Come on. Remember, it's not about levels, it's not about programs, it's not about events, it's about a step. It's about a step. For those hands that I saw raised, we want to connect with you through that connect card. You can text Jesus to our number. But the most important thing for you to do is to go to Growth Track. All right? I had a youth pastor who I used to torture. And uh, I was a tough kid in high school. And I went to my youth pastor's house one night in the middle of the night with some buddies of mine. We went to his backyard and we grabbed a bunch of his patio chairs and we stacked them up high. And we jumped on the patio chairs and we climbed up into his, his, master, bath, uh, his master bedroom balcony, which was on the second story. So we climbed up there, we helped each other up. We thought we were so funny, and we had this window treatment stuff, and we were going to spray all kinds of stuff on his windows. As we got up to one of the windows to start spraying it, we didn't know my youth pastor's wife was taking a shower. So she heard us and got pretty upset. And how many know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? So our youth pastor was always happy and bubbly and, you know, like, praise God. He opened his, his bedroom, master bedroom patio door to us, and we're like, what's up? And he said, you guys are in big trouble. Yelled at us, got upset. How many of us a young person? Sometimes we don't think about that next step. So I went up there, and I, ah, all right, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Can you let us through so we can go home? And he said, no, you need to go back to your original intent. And he shut the patio door and locked it. So here we are. We're, we're stuck on his second-story patio. So the first guy gets down, and he makes his way down. The second, the second guy makes it down, kind of trips and falls, which gets me nervous. I'm a big guy, all right? I remember I went over that, the, the railing, and I went down, and I was on my stomach, and I was trying to find that little makeshift patio chair ladder ghetto thing we made. And I became so afraid, thinking, I mean, I'm going to die out here. I'm going to break a leg out here. These guys, I'm, I'm bigger than these guys. They can't carry me to no hospital, you know. And I remember one of my buddies said, Jeremy, come on. And he grabbed my ankle. He brought my foot down about an inch and said, there's, there's, there's the ladder. It's right here. Here's your first step. I say that today. Don't allow fear to stop you from taking a step 
which is growth track. Don't even, we're trying to eliminate any excuses we can. We have food and refreshments. Even your little ones could have Capri Sun snacks and gummies, all those things. They have an activity that is extended as well. But I want to encourage you, don't allow the hustle and bustle of a Sunday keep you from going to step one. You might be saying, hey, I've, hey, pastor, I've been to like 10 steps, all right? I am like the theologian Christian here, all right? I can preach better than you, all those things. That's great. But will you go to step one so you can help communicate to others what it's all about? So you can say, hey, I took a step already. Will you take it with me? You should go to growth track, step one, step two, step three and four combined. Just three classes today. I love you guys. You are dismissed. Worship team's going to sing a song. We have prayer team available, but make your way into the lobby if you want to stay for growth track. We love you guys. Amen.